Hi and welcome to Our Space as Parents, where we encourage, equip and empower each other. Yep, I do the talking, but it's all based around what I'm hearing from you, your needs, your concerns, your victories and your feedback. That's either by contacting me through a message or seeing and hearing from you personally. So here's my question for you this week. Do you want your children to be better listeners? Do you want them to take more notice of what you say? If you're answering yes to those questions, what you're really saying is that you want influence in your home. And I'd affirm you with a resounding yes to that. What better person to influence a child? Their friends? Their peers? No, the ones who love that child most in all the world. You. But here's the hard truth. Your children will be as good at listening to you as you are to them. Because we don't tend to be influenced by friends and family and people that don't take the time to hear what we're really trying to say. People in our lives who don't listen to us won't influence us. Now, of course, you could get results from your children if you shout or use brute force, but that's not influence, it's control. And I'm assuming you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if that's the style that you were after. So by and large, when I've spent time with a parent, as we look at the issue from this side and that side, in an honest moment, quite often, they'll find that there's a gap in their listening skills. Not because they wanted to lack in any way or intended to, but because listening is an art and there were some gaps in their art form. So today... We're going to do an MOT of listening skills and you can determine how you do. Whether you're modelling great listening in your home or whether there might be some clues in there as to why your children's listening skills aren't as good as you hoped that they would be. Now I do understand this is not terribly appealing but it's crucial. I would literally shout this stuff from the rooftops. But it's a bit like paying for plumbing and electricity or damp problems when what you really want to do is to spend your money on a new sofa or an extension. But logically, the sofa is going to spoil or the house is going to fall down if you don't tend to the core problems. So I'm going to ask you seven questions and you can mentally answer whether you think that you're poor or fair or good or great in response to that listening question. Now this is a list that I've heard from John Maxwell and he's a great leader of leaders and speaks into the business of influencing very healthily but I've adjusted it a bit for us as parents. So my first question, do I allow my child to finish without interrupting? Ooh, (laughs) that's something I've had to work on and my kids will still pull me up from time to time. And it's certainly something we notice in others, isn't it? When they cut across us or they feel the need to to say what they've got to say and get it out before we've really finished saying what we want to say. Are we doing that to our kids? I think we feel in the home that sometimes we have the right to or we're under time pressure and we just need to get something agreed on. But actually, are we cutting across them? Do we want them to cut across others? So rate yourself on that one from poor to great. Do I allow my child to finish without interrupting? Question two. 
Do I listen between the lines for subtext? I rarely find that the issue that children or people are presenting is the real issue. The other day I was in a conversation where someone was processing an issue and it seemed on first listen that they were concerned about the timing of a specific event. But by the time we got to the end, it was clear that it was actually about one of the people who were going to be present that was the real problem. Sometimes we, and certainly our children, don't always know what the crux of the problem is until we've had a chance to flesh it out a bit with a good listener. There's power in that. Are you poor or great at listening between the lines for subtext? Do I actively try to retain important facts? This is really helpful. When you retain the day, the date, the time, the price, the event or the concern or any specific fact, the other person feels valued and they gain confidence that you're invested because of your correct retention of facts and that's evidence that you've listened. So how do you rate on that question? Do I actively try to retain important facts? And this one's linked but it's the next step. Do I repeat back to check that I've got it right? Now this is an odd one and one that parents will often say, mm, really, isn't that a bit time consuming? Maybe slightly patronizing, feels a bit cumbersome. To which I would say, try it. I was chatting to a mum the other day and she had an issue and she asked if I'd advise her. And I listened and then said, it seems to me that this problem has three different parts. So I said, do you mind if I just break it into three parts and just kind of relay them back to you and see if I've understood them correctly? So that was great. And then she made an adjustment on one of them. And then we looked at each part in turn. As she shared her concern about that first part, I fed it back to her and she looked at what her options were. And we carried on in this vein with the other two. And by the end, she had totally solved her own issue. I hadn't given her a single piece of advice. I'd just sort of taken the puzzle. Do you ever do this? Like, do you do puzzles with your kids and you kind of take the box? I'm a bit of a cheat and I, I separate all the edge pieces and all the middle bits. And then in the middle bits, I separate them into colours. Well, well, that's what I'd really done for her. And I'd repeated it back to her just to see if I'd got that right. And she felt valued because it was evident I'd hung on her every word because I'd been able to relay that back to her. And that gave her words value. It says, your words matter to me, which in turn says, your issue matters to me, you matter to me. Now, I wish I always got it that right with my kids. It's a work in progress, isn't it? But it's a good practice to practice. It's vital for our kids. It's a powerful way of saying, you matter. I love you. Easy to say in words. This is a great behaviour way to back that up. So how do you rate on that one? Do I repeat back to check that I've got it right? Next question. Do I avoid getting hostile and agitated when I disagree? Well, come on, parents, let's be honest. That's a tricky one to avoid. I'm putting my hand up and saying, I can get that wrong sometimes. And I think we get it wrong because we're often looking for agreement with them. We only really get agitated when we're disagreeing, don't we? But realistically, we're fairly likely to have a low level of honest agreements with our kids because frankly, the level of cleanliness in their room, they're going to have a different perspective on from us. When and how homework is done, 
very different perspective. And so it goes on. So parenting well is not about agreement. It's about influence. It's about listening and understanding. So if we can bypass that need to agree and look for understanding and accept that there's understanding from them and there's understanding from us that will be more healthy, then we won't get to that horrible stalemate of disagreement quite so quickly. But if we move off agreement and move across to understanding and model understanding, it's a longer term gain. It's a false economy just to win an argument. So next time you're at a loggerhead with your child, perhaps suggest that you both listen to each other's perspectives, maybe when you're both calmer, and try and see what they're struggling with. And then they might be ready to hear what you're struggling with. But you know that once you're hot under the collar, the chances are someone's not listening well. So how did you do? Do I avoid getting hostile and agitated when I disagree? Poor? Brilliant? Rubbish? <laughs> Next question. Do I tune out distractions? Oh, that's a tricky one. We're multitaskers, aren't we? Just about everything that we do is usually for someone else. And therefore, there's always a justifiable reason why we are distracted. Maybe we're cooking. Maybe we're answering someone's question on a text. Maybe we're taking a phone call from someone who's, you know, missed the bus or something. And so therefore, we always feel it's justifiable because we're usually helping someone else. Do you answer the phone when your child is speaking to you? Or do you glance at someone else or something else or your technology when your child is speaking? I know that we don't like it when they do it. But do we need to up our game to model something better? How did you do on that one? Do I tune out distractions? Last question. How am I conveying that I'm interested? My absolute favourite is to pull up a chair and sit down. And that says I'm all yours. But sometimes we're juggling, aren't we? If you're juggling dinner and kicking things down the kitchen that you don't want to trip up on and they're coming to you with an issue or a complaint... Perhaps it's time to say, this sounds important. I want to give that my full attention. Should we chat in five minutes? Should we chat after dinner? Or when's a good time to talk about this? Or if you are busy, but you could stop for a bit, could your body language convey interest rather than conveying, be quick, I've only got a minute. Maybe you lean up against something if you're standing and that says, tell me, I've stopped for this. Are you nodding, making eye contact? Are you feeding back? Are you affirming those feelings or are they chatting to your back? How did you score on how am I conveying that I'm interested? Poor or fantastic? So which question did you score best on? What are you really good at and what could do with a bit of an upgrade? I would take one of them, not all of them, and just work on it if you feel that you could do a little better on that one. All these things are micro moments in the day and they may not feel like they're the big things that convey culture or lifestyle, but they do. They squarely show a child or a young adult how to respond to people when they've got something to say. And that's the blueprint that they're going to be using when you've got something to say. So is there one thing on that list you could work on? Let me give you the list again and you can pick one. Do I allow my children to finish without interrupting? Do I listen between the lines for subtext? Do I actively try to retain important facts? Do I repeat back to check I've got it right? 
Do I avoid getting hostile and agitated when I disagree? Do I tune out distractions? How am I conveying that I'm interested? I'd love to hear what your results are, what you were good at, what you're poor at, what you were good at because you've worked on it, you've been intentional. And I'm prepared to guarantee you that if you change your listening skills, they'll change theirs. Let me know how you go. And if you've enjoyed this, I'd be so grateful if you rate and review the podcast or ping it to a friend. And I love hearing from you too. There is no text, PM, email, message that's ever wasted. And if you'd love to raise emotionally healthy children and want a great, fully illustrated, hardback, beautiful book full of insights and examples and tools for effective parenting, pick up Parenting for Life for a great price over on the Courageous Mama blog. There's a link below. And there's also a link if you need a bit of listening to. Come and book a parenting coach session with me. The link is also below. So I'm going to pop those questions that we went through today on the blog. Hold me to it. And then you can peruse them in your own time. I'll also pop them on Instagram for easy access. So swipe left on this week's podcast notice. I'm easy to find on Instagram. It's the Courageous Mama. I'm equally easy to find on that handle everywhere. The blog, the pod and also by Gmail. Have a great week of influencing your children well.